Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast in which we discuss and learn about the people that are on the front lines delivering and protecting patient care. I'm Ed Gaudet, the host of our program, and today I am pleased to have my dear friend, Mari Savikas on the show today. Mari's the VP of Public Policy at Chime, where she leads federal and congressional advocacy on behalf of Chime and the health industry. Welcome, Mari. Sad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. It was good to see you. Was it last week we were just together in Salt Lake? Only last week. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. So let's start with a little bit about your role in your organization. Giving me the easy questions first. That is fine. I head of government affairs for Chime. I've been here more than eight years. I get to interact with our members who are absolutely fabulous, the most amazing individuals. They're definitely the best part of the job. And the team is amazing. I really can't do anything without them. But yeah, we are the front line of defense for our members in Washington, D.C. I'm sure we'll get into lobbying in a little bit. And we try to keep our finger on the pulse of all things digital health and health IT, help them prepare for any mandates that are coming down the road, do some walk and tackling. We think that it's going to be highly disruptive to them and maybe not the best course. That's when we insert ourselves and we try to channel our inner member, CIO, CNIO, insert any C-suite executive in healthcare, tech, uh, health IT. And we try to channel that voice in Washington and be their ears and eyes on the ground. Excellent, excellent. How did you get into healthcare? Oh, the happy accident. Yeah, I think I slept through social studies in high school, if I'm being honest. Me too. And I didn't, like, the passion wasn't a week and immediately I went to, I went to college on an art portfolio, surprisingly. Oh. Whatever side of your brain is art, it's, like, it's definitely malnourished and, and loving, but in advocacy. But I got there and the head of the department was real jerk. I was like, I cannot have you for four years. So I took a political science class and I got an A. I was like, this will work. Oh, and the rest got my master's later in public administration. And here I am. I think if I go back into my yearbook, I think somewhere it says I was interested in poli-sci. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. I, I still don't, I don't know. But I mean, I, it, again, it might be accident. I'm glad I'm, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I really love. I think it was I that cartoon, that. I'm Just a Bill. That We have had to show that <laughs> sometimes to just remind people <laughs> of how it works. So it's. That's, I mean, that's how a bill gets passed. Well, there's so much more that goes into it. But yeah, I'm a bill, just the middle of Capitol Hill. That's right. I love that. All right. As you think about 2024 approaching, what are the top three priorities or strategic initiatives are driving, will be driving you uh, next year? I would say, and it depends on, there's an ebb and flow every day here in terms of what's the hottest issue. Today happens to be AI because of the HTI 1 rule that was just released, but cybersecurity, privacy, artificial intelligence. Those are the three that I can say right now. Sure, we're going to push on telehealth extensions, like all the other things you would think about, right? Mm-hmm. Doing support, anything related to technology and opioids, controlling the demic or addressing that. There's so many other pieces, but those are like, I would say, are the top three that I would point to right now. Okay. And what's it like? What's a day in the life of Mari like? Do you spend a lot of time on the Hill? Do you have to... I have to use sanitary language for this uh, radio show, don't I? <laughs> okay. So being an advocacy is a ton of reading. 
Mm-hmm. Ton of talking, <laughs> ton of talking, ton of reading, and a ton of reading. That's honestly mm-hmm. what it co- comes down to. Yes, we're networking. Though I mean, post pandemic, even the hill is a little sleepy in terms of meeting in person. Mm-hmm. The administration still not fully back there, even though the Biden administration has said you have to come back in some form or fashion. They're it's, they've been slower. A lot of our interactions are still virtual. It's just a matter of fact that we will be in person at the ONC meeting end of this week, which is actually tomorrow, starting tomorrow. So it's almost like health IT reunion from Kindred Fest. We'll be at that. But yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of, again, there's a thousand piece rule that I need to go to Staples and have it printed and go take a look at that. So a lot of reading, a lot of writing, mm-hmm. a lot of chit-chatting with mm-hmm. the members and other stakeholders. What What keeps you up at night? I often ask this question to providers and it's kind of a very consistent answer, but I'm just wondering what keeps you up at night? I mean, are you talking about from just in general or from a policy standpoint? Not from a policy. We'll start with the policy. Just like there's an insatiable amount of reading that has to be done. The amount, the volume. I think people might be surprised that the volume of information we are expected to consume on any given day is extraordinary. And it's stressful because my email is just, I mean, it's a black hole. You just, you have to at some point say, it's hard, at least with my personality, it's hard to say, okay, I'm not going to be able to read all these things. Like I always aspire to read everything, but it's not possible. Again, and we just mentioned a thousand page rule and I need to read that cover to cover and I need to understand it. Otherwise, I can't leave Chelsea alone on this. <laughs> yeah, it's the amount of reading. There's so much stuff that comes out. Any given day, there's something coming from NIST, right? I'm sure you get all their alerts, like CMS. Yeah. I mean, the Hill, like who sent a letter here? I mean, Politico, Axiom was like punchable, like we're digesting, taking it all in backers. I mean, it's insane. And then translating that into a advocacy strategy must be really difficult to do. I mean, have an amazing synthesize that data yeah. down. Yes. It's so easy. And this is where it becomes challenging is to get pulled in a lot of directions. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you, it's, it's a constant and I'm not saying it's a constant course correction and I can always do better, but sometimes you have to say, no, we're a very small team here, very small. Mm-hmm. And so we have to prioritize what we do and where we spend our time. So we try to do that, but it's, that I think is a real challenge is mm-hmm. just trying to figure out we can't be all things to all people. There are other organizations in town, who are, for example, who lead on telehealth. And we can do a little what I call cocktailing. Not to say that we push really hard when we need to, but you're just getting pulled in constantly so many different directions. And so you have to just try to like, again, be like, okay, so what are we going to focus on today? What are we going to focus on today? You also spend a lot of time in the, the public-private partnerships with HSC and the HS 405D. How do those associations and those memberships help you? That's like a reflection, honestly, of what we do overall is I think to be a good advocate for our members, you have to work with many stakeholders, right? You can't be myopic in your vision. I I talk to, for example, companies often, just because they have a different point of view doesn't mean that their point of view isn't important. I take what I like to call a 360 degree approach to advocacy. I want to hear from as many stakeholders as possible. For example, we're just, I have to respond to this ONC, it's HHS rule on on penalties for providers. I know it's not cyber related, mm-hmm. but you know, there's information blocking is such a big thing. And there's this one provision that you know, a few other provider organizations didn't, we didn't have the same interpretation. You have to talk to as many people as possible. Being part, bringing it back to your question, being part of a multi-stakeholder group 
who are swimming in the same direction, trying to improve the posture of our sector is a good thing. And I definitely think that's a place where we, I, we need to spend time and energy. It was important to be out in Utah. It's important to be part of the efforts that Eric and Greg and others, you, are trying to move forward. This is, I mean, it's a shared responsibility. Yeah, and I love, I'm probably the least worthy of this, but of the challenge coin that I accept on Yeah, congratulations. You got the challenge coin. Look at that. Hold it up well, there. Let's see it. Let's see it. <laughs> it really is going to push me to do better yeah, and work it harder. Don't so good. think that they, I just, again, but th- there's a lot. <laughs> it's not just Mari. It's the team is behind me here. So team or no line team. Excellent. Tough couple of years for everybody given the pandemic. What are you most proud of either personally, professionally, or both over the last couple of years? Oh, why? I don't mind even sure. You, going off the script here, mate, throwing me like the curveballs. I'm most proud. I'm definitely proud of the team. They are amazing. The volume of information that we put out is pretty darn good. And again, it's not me working by myself, right? I'm kind of the team for, we did a lot more on social media and I'm literally the one who's like the least adapted or keen on posting the social media. But we've done a lot there. We do a lot of webinars. We've increased the size of our policy steering committee. We really have a lot of interest in in public policy. And I think it's because we have done a good job. Yeah, you're making an impact too for the industry, which is amazing. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm always trying. I'm, I'm happy that they let me show up every day for work and work with the, the amazing people that I get to work with. Yeah. So outside of um, healthcare and your current job, what are you most passionate about? What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? I don't know if other CIOs you've talked to and says, as I talked about the life-work balance or lack thereof, definitely would spend more time with my kids. So mm-hmm. I just literal twins. I would do that. I try to, my weekends, I spend them and I actually really like my kids. So some people are like, oh, I've been trying to escape my kids. I love my children. They're amazing. They're waste. We're not sure how my husband like created them. They're very sweet. That They're awesome. I love to travel. Okay. And I'm going to Aruba in April. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Really? Maybe we'll not, meet up. Not well, in April. I'm going in February. Oh, okay. I'm that's Have you been now. So I'm going to go for the Bloomberg Leaders, the um, Digital Health Leaders for Women event. Oh, it's nice. going to be teaching us how to be even more amazing than we already are. <laughs> and I'm teaching yoga, so I can't complain about that. I went to Italy this year with my daughter and my oh, parents. Nice. Where did oh, you yeah. go? Whereabouts? Uh, we were in the south. We did... Amalfi? Amalfi Coast? No, we didn't do that. We just... Mm. Because my parents are older, we just had to be a little bit more constructive where we were going, but my mm. daughter's well. So we didn't conquer all the entire country, but we went to Rome. Napoli, Capri. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't, they have these things called cedro lemons. I'm I'm quasi obsessed. They're literally ginormous. They look like they're bigger than a pineapple. Also, wow. they're afterwards, but I can't seem to figure out how to import them here. The the a lot of the inside is white with a, just a, part, a little a small part that's citrus. And they scoop them out and they freeze them and they put gelato in. I didn't get to experience oh. that, but I've got to go back. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Lemon gelato. Matter. I love it. And I get to do yoga in Rome. I teach yoga, hot yoga. Or even help I manage my stress. But, yeah, so, so hot yoga. So what is what's involved with that? I've always wanted to. Is it just literally that, you turn up the heat and do yoga? Uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred, hundred between ninety wow. seven three. I don't know the exact. Yeah, you sweat a lot. Yeah. I feel pretty cathartic, but it's mind body too. You're releasing what's on your mind. You set it to the side. Yeah. You focus on your breath. You focus on your practice. You can, I always tell my class, first of all, I always tell them they're amazing. 
so many people are told that they're amazing. I tell them they're amazing. And my class is a little bit faster. And we move pretty quickly. And there was a lot of sweating. You set a, a mantra, something, a positive affirmation, even if you don't feel that you're like, my life is balanced, right? Maybe you set the intention, even if you're not feeling it, it's manifesting. You're going to try to manifest it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be fast. So you can do slower yoga. There's a uh, book that I read a long time ago called The Five Rights for the Fountain of Youth. And mm-hmm. it's these five yoga rights. And I remember hearing about it from a, a gentleman I worked with who was, I think he was in his late 40s and he looked like he was 20. And when he told me his age, I'm like, what are you doing? How can you be 40? I have that problem too, Ed. <laughs> and he recommended this book. So I started doing it. And it's like a very thin book. <laughs> and it tells a story about these five rights and how powerful they are for maintaining age. And I started doing them. And, and literally, and I used to work out and used to run. I think within five minutes, I was sweating more than I've ever sweat in my life. Yoga is like this amazing, this amazing act that totally opens up your body in ways that just I've never experienced. So I'm always interested in. Well, I think there's like a fallacy. People think, oh, you have to be flexible to do yeah. yoga. That's great size, shape, background in my in classes. So it really that is such a misconception and. You start at where you are, right? And exactly. Thing, that's interesting. Is like you start going into online and looking at some of the stuff. Oh my gosh, how are they doing that? Yeah, you may not be able to do that today, but with practice, I see people. I've even experienced it myself, but it's not going to happen like overnight. Exactly. No, that's right. And that's what <laughs> the book says. You start off doing like one of each rep, yeah. or one rep, and then you work your way up to like over 20. And in short order, you get there, but you're right. Absolutely. Like initially, it's forget it. I can't do any of this. And then within three weeks, all yeah, of a sudden, you're doing you also more. You break it down in a little pieces too. Yeah. You try to figure out, okay, if I want to get from just like you would do for work, right? You don't just instantly have a 20 page document produced or whatever you're doing, drafting a contract. It, it, at some point, you have to put a word on the paper. Yeah. And then eventually you do have the contract written or the document, right? Just like that, but you break it down. Like there's an introduction and there's, and then you, there's several chapters and there's a conclusion. It's the exactly. same thing with breaking down a yoga pose is you just think, what will I need to do to get to that? I might have to make my hip a little bit more flexible, hip opener, but progression. Yeah. And that connection to breath is so powerful too. Once you get in that rhythm that again, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. Yeah. I mean, you're just uh, being mindful and letting go of, again, I tell them in class, set aside your to-do list. Because I, I promise you, it'll be there when you are done. Do you want minutes? It will be right there where you left it. But if you put it to the side, you will find that it will still be there. But if you could just focus, and then that's the thing, you're too busy focusing on your movement. You mm-hmm. to think about your to-do list, which is yeah, That's fantastic. So if you could go back in time and tell your 20-year-old self something, what would it be? What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Oh, my gosh. I did think about this. I would say pace yourself, which is again, with a type A personality, I have it very hard. So that's one thing. DC is like sprint, right? You're always sprinting. At some point you get tired. So you have to take water breaks, right? You have to check in with yourself. I would say to you that follow your true north. It may not be everybody else's, but I know in my true north is I'm a privacy hawk and other people think, oh, privacy is dead. I'm like, oh no, it's not. But that's my true north. What are my true norths? Not everyone's going to be your champion. You have to be your own champion. That's both professionally and, and personally. If you're finding that you're sick and you're not getting the treatment that you need, I always I tell my class, you have to be your own champion. You have to listen to your body. And doctors don't have a ton of time to figure out what's wrong with you. You really do have to do 
correct research, right? Go to peer review journals. I had shingles in my trigeminal nerve on my left side of my face. They kept thinking it was like a dental issue. And I'm like, like, it's not a dental issue. All the x-rays, everything. Finally, yeah. But I diligently researched it and I didn't go to Facebook or anything like that. I was mm-hmm. looking at peer review journals. I would say to you, try as hard as possible to be the better person. Easier said than done. I learned that from my parents. Yeah, take vacations. The longer you've been in the workforce, really important to take. I mean, it may not be as important when you're 25 because you're full of piss and vinegar, but <laughs> and you're like, it is. But it is important to take time for yourself. And again, remember you're amazing and be that. sure well, other people that are amazing. I love that. That's a really great answer. So you have, you did think about that one. I, I mean, you gave me the hardest question. So I had a, for this. <laughs> I also inventoried my books and my nightstand just in case we we're going to get to that too. Um, no, nah, I wasn't going to go there. All right. So I do have to ask you this question because this is the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. What's the riskiest thing you've ever done? I thought about that. And you know what? I haven't done it yet. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Well, what's it going to be? The second riskiest thing I've done (laughs) with first being I haven't done it yet is this is a little bit graphic, but hopefully you can take it is giving myself shots in the ass to for IVF to get my twins. Well, my husband was busy in South America somewhere last week, a submarine, his words, not mine. Mm -hmm. He's a combat veteran. So I had to do it myself. I was like, I'm not really keen on sticking things into my body. But I did it. And yeah. I'm and my children here. So it was worth it. Yeah. yeah, it was worth it. Yeah. I don't know if that's risky, but it was not enjoyable. All right. Hardest lesson in your career. Sure, just all of the tough ones today. I'm not sure I have a good answer for that. But I would say balance. I would say balance. Yeah. Is like you need to know when to slow down, but it's really sometimes hard. It's so hard. It's especially with a type A, like you said, type A personality. It's so hard because You've got to have that internal governor. Yeah, my internal governor really challenged. I, I used to work at the American Medical Association, and that place is busy. But that's then their time is different. But we're but still, I'm very busy. But I just have that personality where it's like open mouth and start fire hose. <laughs> like, why did I just waterboard myself? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I think mm. I use yoga to try and remain reflective. I it's a work in progress, but I would definitely say balance. So did you get the questions about the top five music albums or movies? Okay, so we're not going to do music albums, but I, okay. do, I am prepared to talk about books. I have a full... Okay, st- books. All right, here we go. Ready? Top five books, then I'm on oh, I don't have top five. I'm just going to tell you what's on my mind. Okay, first okay, one. Great. So is... Actually, let me start with this one. I just got this at the Weber Leaders in Arizona. It's I don't know if you can see it, but Unlimited by Eugenia Jordan. Can you she, hold it? You see that? Oh, yeah. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So she is an immigrant from Russia and she overcame a ton. I'm only on page 29. Okay. All right. Book number two. <laughs> Unlock the Einstein Inside. This is for children. I have an autistic son and he has a severe case of ADHD and I'm constantly reading about him. Okay, this one I picked up at the fall form. Haven't cracked this one yet. Quantum care. Quantum. Oh. Yeah, I need a deep dive into AI for health delivery and research. The only time oh. I read books, by the way, in earnest, honestly, is on vacation sometimes when I'm not chasing my son who is a flight risk. So hard to read a book. But I, this one I did read cover to cover and I've got sticky notes all over it. This is called Brain Maker. Came and see because I have so many. Can you oh, see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brain I Maker. See this is yeah. great. Dave, Dr. David Perlmutter. It's very much about the impact of food on your body and like the chemicals in food and what's good for you. But by a physician, 
cure your child with food. I was this one I've even opened. And then ultra processed people. Oh, finds behind food that isn't food. Oh, okay. I'm going to keep 69 on that one. So, and Ooh. then I have two magazines, which is Mantra Wellness. And then one is the world's most amazing places. Oh. 2025. Oh. That's the list. What do you, what's on your bucket list from a travel perspective? I've definitely Paris with my best friend and her daughters and my other best friend who is just a dog mom, but we're all going to go minus the dogs or else. Uh, I assume you've been before. I haven't. I used to oh. live in Italy. I'm half hmm. Italian. I used to live in Italy, which is why we went to Italy with my parents. I mean, I've been to France, but not to Paris. You're in for a treat. Yeah. Wonderful. I, think, I mean, if you yeah. have any tips, I will certainly take them. C- catacombs. Do the catacombs. Okay. You're in the ground. You're basically under the city. And you walk for quite a ways. I forget how many miles it is. And it's all bones. The city is buried. The city is built on buried bones. (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of fascinating to do. I think that's a, I mean, not a bad, what what else? Okay. that's Oh, you got to go to Montmartre. You got to go to Sacre-Cœur, which is right next to Montmartre. That's one of my favorite areas in Paris. I would go to Père Lachaise, the cemetery, if you like the doors and Jim Morrison. You can go see Jim Morrison. I might need you to sign me up a list. I can do that, actually. I can send you a list. I've done that for folks, so I'll do that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I also want to go to some of the national parks. Oh, of course. I was just yeah. in Utah. And my parents, by the way, are some of the few people in America who have gone to every single one. I forget really? the number. Zion. Have you been to Zion and Bryce? They have. I have it, so I'd really Uh, those two in particular. Yeah, those are wonderful places. I know. Next time I go in Utah, I feel like I need to carve out more time to actually do fun stuff. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Yeah, anyway, I've always, I have a lot, I have a big bucket list. I won't bore you with all my places I want to go. Very cool. So before we end, one last question. What advice do you have to cyber professionals that are just starting out pursuing a, a career towards towards cyber and healthcare. Any advice? Join the health sector mm. and pick up. I'm, I'm proud of myself. I post on LinkedIn. I'm not a big poster, but I noted that 405D, go read it, familiarize yourself with yes. it, snuggle with it, do what you need to do. But that I think is going to have a big impact on, on our sector and anything tied to the NIST cybersecurity framework, which while not healthcare specific, is nonetheless like the anchor rate anchor for mm-hmm. everything and just network, meet people, ask them any questions, call me. I don't know. <laughs> I have a question for you though. Yes, go ahead. Okay, let's turn this around. So I was reading about you and I would like to know about the patents on authentication, rate <laughs> engagement and security possession that you have. <laughs> like oh, your patent holder. And see if it's oh, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, no, I've been in technology for a long time and I've got a I've got that creative side side of the brain that just never stops. So I'm always thinking about new ideas and ways to apply technology. And some of those patents came out of those that thinking. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while though. The last patent I think was at Improvada was around an authentic an authentication method that was quorum based. So basically, we're this idea that you had a you used a quorum to actually authenticate into a particular service or get basically deliver access through through a quorum, which is very different than multi-factor, very different than some of the other I don't have to go look this up. Yeah, processes. But anyway, so that was that was the idea there behind that. And yeah, thanks for asking. That's uh <laughs> Well I, I have another question for you. You yeah. you're in Cyra, but you're an extrovert. Do you I mean is this one of the favorite parts of your job? That's a good question. Do you mean doing these podcasts? Yeah, these are fun. I love doing this actually. I love I felt like there was a void for really getting to know people 
we're focused on the technology and the operations and strategy around healthcare. And so we live it and breathe it. And, but we never take a step back to really learn about the people. And I started doing it to see, quite frankly, whether or not there was an opportunity to do more of it. And it just started growing. People started reaching out, hey, asking to be on the podcast. And so I'm going to keep doing it until people stop asking. So I know you didn't necessarily ask. We came out and sought you out. But I like having some fun with it. I had, I had Joe Sullivan from Uber on, who, Joe Sullivan's background. I do know. <laughs> so he was a CISO at Uber and was brought up on charges. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, I do know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And yeah. I was told not to do the interview. Third, you know, it was a bit of a third rail. And actually, he's probably one of the nicest guys, most humble guys I've ever I've spoken with in a long time. And the work he's doing with Ukraine, the Ukraine family work that he does is incredible. Basically, he's bringing technology to children in the Ukraine that have been displaced from the war that's happening. And so I think he's, he's following his true north. He really him. is. He, he's such a humble guy and such a good guy. And, and he doesn't shy away from the mistakes he's made. He owns them, which I think is admirable. And really just fascinating to talk to you. But there's a lot of, I love doing those types of conversations because you get to know the people. I do truly believe, this is probably one of my weaknesses, but I believe there's good in everybody and, and everybody generally is good. I'm sure there's evil people out there, but I haven't met them yet. I love to just have those conversations. To me, that makes my, my whole job really worth it. So, so like that you're an optimist. I'm a eternal optimist, <laughs> which again, it doesn't always work in my favor, but, but no, I appreciate you asking that, that question. We're going to finish up here. We have been talking to Mari Savikas, the VP of Public Policy at Chime. Thank you, Mari, for joining us today. I'm Ed Gaudet. I'm the host of Risk Never Sleeps podcast. And remember, if you're on the front lines, protecting patient safety and delivering patient care, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information on how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet, and until next time, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps.